This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. We took a brief post-draft hiatus to gather our thoughts kind of let all of this undrafted free agent action die down. And today we're back with a post-draft roster analysis. The Packers are sitting at their full 90-man roster at this current moment, even though a couple players remain unsigned due to all of the uh, COVID action going on. Um, So what we're going to do today is just kind of take a brief glance at each of the positions on the roster, talk about if there's any perceived needs that we think still exist, if the positions look good, Thanks, as always, for joining us. I am Maggie Loney, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein. Perry, let's just let's just jump right in. Let's talk about the quarterbacks, as if we haven't talked about the Packers quarterbacks enough in the last two weeks. I'm sick of talking about the quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we know, we kind of know what the order is. We've got QB1 and 12. If you think that that's a question, get out of here. Um, we have, you know, our newly drafted, probably QB2, Jordan Love. We still have Tim Boyle. Um, and then we added uh, Jalen Morton. I feel like two of those are going to be practice squad guys. You know, we cut Manny Wilkins to make room for all four. Um Bringing four over to the actual 53-man roster won't happen. So um, either we'll let one go or they'll just sit on the practice squad. They think – I mean, it's interesting to me that they brought in another quarterback. I'm curious why. Um, but I think also it'll be interesting to see who will be QB2. Will it be yeah. Tim Boyle because he's been it for a few years? Or are they just going to automatically make it Jordan Love because of his draft status? I feel like they're not. I feel like they're going to make him work for it. Yeah, and I feel like this year is so unlike anything else we've ever experienced as well. Um, so I would fully expect the Packers to go into the regular season with three quarterbacks on the roster. I think that Tim Boyle will probably default into quarterback two, just given his experience, especially with Jordan Love trying to learn an entire playbook in a virtual program. You know, if the preseason or training camp is altered in the slightest, I think it'll be really hard for him to come in and win that battle. And Tim Boyle beat out Deshaun Kaiser. So it's not like he's a slouch. I'm not saying that I think the Packers drafted Jordan Love for him to be the third string for his entire career and then get traded or something. I think that he'll, you know, earn his opportunities, but I think that Tim Boyle is going to put up a fight and he will definitely be in play for the Packers as, you know, a 53 man spot holder, Yeah, especially, you know, 
in these yeah. trying times. <laughs> he has the leg up just from experience. So I agree. Another position, you know, at the whole offense, I think that we've talked about a ton. I can't keep making the joke. Something else we've talked too much about because we've talked about all of it because we're <laughs> all in quarantine and there's nothing else for us to talk about. But running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, locked and loaded one and two. The rest of the backfield, kind of uncertain, although A.J. Dillon obviously gets a nod on the roster because you don't spend a second round draft pick and then cut the guy. So what are your thoughts on that depth? Um, it's definitely interesting. Um, they said they wanted to add a few more running backs into the mix and they certainly did that. Um, we still have Tyler Irvin, um, who, yes, he's our return man, but, um, if you watch towards the end of the season, they were using him in some capacity in the offense. So maybe they'll still find a role for him. Um, they have Dexter Williams, who's, you know, we haven't seen anything from, they, I know that he was drafted at towards the end in the later rounds, but they still spent a pick on him. So you'd hope that he could provide some value. Um, and then we have two undrafted free agents that they just added Patrick Taylor out of Memphis. Um, and I'm going to butcher this name. It's Demarie Crockett. Yeah. <laughs> I like his last name. <laughs> and, um, and so maybe those are just practice squad, you know, camp bodies. Maybe they see a future with those guys. Who knows? But it's definitely a pretty rich group um, with, you know, the top two pretty locked in. Um, I think it's going to be difficult to break your way up into, you know, getting meaningful snaps when we have Aaron and Jamal. And then, you know, hopefully A.J. Dillon also contributes yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, Aaron Jones, it, this was the first time he played all 16 games in the regular season, and he kind of took on that workhorse back. 62% of snaps he played on offense for Green Bay. Jamal Williams, last season with Aaron Jones and his injuries, uh, played almost half of all offensive snaps for Green Bay. And then this year, he decreased to only 35% of snaps. So I think if you look at, you know, Jones, Williams, and Dylan. That's going to be a lot of snaps to share between three guys. Mm -hmm. And then Tyler Irvin, I think, would be your fourth back at this point um, because all four of them kind of have a different skill set as well. So depending on what LaFleur wants to do, they didn't bring in anybody that's super challenging for that return man spot. There's a couple wide receivers that maybe would. Um, but given they lost Danny Vitale to the Patriots, I would kind of expect them to keep five running backs, whether it's a combination of, you know, all five traditional running backs or if they grab one of the fullbacks um, because there are two of them and both of them are very versatile. We're listed as tight ends in college, fullbacks at the, the pro level. So a name that I would encourage fans to keep an eye on, a couple of our uh, Pack-A-Day co-hosts, Kyle Fellows and Andrew Mertig, love Patrick Taylor, the undrafted free agent out of Memphis. He is very exciting. Uh, Lance Zerline from the NFL Network uh, says that he's built like a comic book character, and he just has a really fun skill set. So I would for sure expect him to be a practice squad lock if he didn't happen to crack the 53 as the fifth back. Uh, but since we just talked about the running backs and any potential um, return specialists maybe for Green Bay, let's segue into wide receivers. Obviously, we have Devontae Adams top five receiver in the league, um, Lazard. And then after that, things get kind of murky, I think. I agree. Um, you know, I really think that Alan 
Lazard is only knocked as not being wide receiver too, because he was an undrafted free agent. I think if that man had been drafted, no one would be questioning what his role is right now. Um, and so I fully expect him to be, be that going into the season, whether that gets shuffled around as the season goes on is, is to be determined. But I mean, there's definitely depth here. Um, it's just a matter of like who's going to come in and actually contribute in a meaningful way. Um, you know, obviously they signed Devin Funches to do that. Um, will he be wide receiver two or just a, a functional wide receiver three, you know, boundary or red zone guy? We don't know yet. Um, you hope that because they, you know, spent money on him that, that he will, um, see the field a lot. We have MVS and EQ, EQ coming back off IR. Um, so another kind of unknown, I think Packer fans are really hyping him up to contribute in a, in a big, big way based off his rookie season. MVS obviously has some work to do, but I think that if he can really connect with Rogers, um, you know, he can be our deep threat that we've, we were really missing this past season. Um, and then we have, you know, just, I think, some more depth guys. We brought back Jake Kumaro, Darius Shepard, who definitely had some struggles last season. Um, Reggie Begleton, who is super exciting from the CFL. Um, watch some highlights on him, and he um, is really dynamic. Um, another undrafted free agent that I'm also really excited about is Daryl Stewart. Um, he, and speaking of return specialists, he did a little bit of that in college. Um, and so, you know, he... Um, and Malik Taylor are the, those are kind of the guys at the bottom. I think there is a lot of room though for some of the second half of that list to, to break their way up to the top. Um, honestly, beside behind Devontae, it, it's all up for grabs at this point. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Devin Funches, his best season of Carolina, he had eight touchdowns and 840 yards. And that almost doubles wide receiver two for the Packers in 2019. So I think even if that was the max production you could get out of him this season or just in his career, if that's his ceiling, I'm pretty sure any Packer fan would take that at this point, given the production mm -hmm. that came out of the room in 2019. So I feel like he'll have um, an early shot at that wide receiver three role. I really like EQ. I know that you have the uh, EQ two, two, you're kind of leading that uh, that train. I don't remember your tweet. You'll have to tweet it out again so that everybody can <laughs> see it. Um, sometimes I forget that Jake Kumaro is 28 and that he's, you know, the vet in the room, that he's older than Devontae Adams. Um, that but, is wild. I mean, this kind of feels like it's one of his final shots. Not, and not that he can't be a journeyman addition as, like, wide receiver five or six on any roster. I don't think that means he'd be, like, done in the NFL. But unless... Rogers really campaigns for him and he has another breakout kind of training camp preseason. I just think that he's kind of slowly drifting down the depth chart to a point where we don't know what his production will look like. Um, and then I think that's where things get really interesting. You know, you listed all the guys already, but if you look at EQ, MVS, Alan Lazard, these are all huge body receivers and MVS, he has only a 46% catch percentage right now, which is really abysmal. Um, so that's definitely something you'd have to work on. Um, I see a lot of things saying that he has to worry that he's becoming too one note for this offense, because if that's every time you see him on the field, if he's running, you know, avert, then it, at some point it's going to become obvious what he's doing and it's not going to impact the offense in any way. 
Um, but I do like guys like Darius Shepard and Daryl Stewart just because they're different options in the slot. I would think that they might have a little bit more of an opportunity to latch on as that maybe sixth receiver just because of that, because they can be utilized as gadget guys and they're unlike what's currently on the roster. But yeah, I mean, there's 10 guys have to think that anywhere from five to seven of them will stick. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's going to definitely be a position to watch if preseason and camp uh, do return to us in the near future. My prediction, and this is bold, but here we go, is that Daryl Stewart will end up making the roster. There's something about him, like he's different size. Like you mentioned, he's just like a different body type. Um, And he still, when I was watching film on him, made all the different types of catches. So he's still versatile. He's just a little shiftier as a smaller guy. So I'm curious to see how he does. I think one of the most locked in positions on the roster that we're kind of segueing to now is tight ends. I have a hard time seeing this shifting from a very set four. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious. There's always surprises. So you want to do the do the deep dive into the tight ends? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's it's pretty set. Like we've got Mercedes Lewis. He's our vet. He'll be back. You know, we kind of he's he's done a really nice job of carving out his role and becoming a piece that's kind of like irreplaceable. And then we have, you know, our touted tight end one, Jace, you know, no, nothing. I think nothing more needs to be said there. Like he's, he's going to see the field. I think he's going to end up getting the majority of snaps. Um, we have Josiah DeGora, who we just drafted, who um, will be a little bit more gadgety, I think for Matt LaFleur. Um, I hope that they use him this season. I think like it'll be limited and it'll be, I think a little bit more like a limited. And then hopefully he grows over the course of the season as he gets more comfortable and learns the playbook. But I mean, Matt LaFleur got so excited about him that I I can tell he already has like visions of how he's going to use him, which is great. Um, And then we have big Bob. Um, (laughs) I hope that, you know, he stays healthy. He was, he definitely battled some injuries this past season. I think that's why he didn't see the field as much as he did, but we've got big Bob Tanyan in there. And then James Looney, I think is is at the bottom there with the depth chart. So if they were going to keep four tight ends, I think you'd knock off James Looney and, and keep that first four. I just, the reason that I'm craving preseason football is one, because it's football. Mm -hmm. Um, But two, I need to see what defensive lineman James Looney looks like as he transitions to an NFL tight end. I mean, there had to have been something that he did in the privacy of camp or practice throughout the season, whether he brought it up or if the training staff brought it up and said, hey, let's try this out. Because the Packers don't have a lot of depth on the defensive line. So you think (laughs) them sacrificing one of these big-bodied guys to say, hey, let's see what your hands look like. This is fascinating. And I, I got some heat on Twitter because everyone's like, don't expect anything. I'm not expecting anything. I'm just fully on board with seeing what this transition looks like because... How often does that happen? You know, we hear of wide receivers becoming corners. You don't often hear of defensive linemen transitioning to tight end at the next level. Well, the last guy, too, is Evan Bayless. He was on the 53 for very sporadic increments in 2019. Um, and that was, I think, partially due to Jace being hurt. And then he was released to bring in an extra running back when Jamal got hurt. Um, I'm not entirely sure on when all that happened. But he did latch onto the squad for a couple season, or a couple games last season. Um, he's typically just kind of stuck on the practice squad. I think the Packers like what he can do, but he is kind of playing 
in a room that's already pretty full, pretty set. So yeah. I think it would take a pretty strong camp for him to maybe overtake somebody like Robert Tanyan. Oh man. I'm so sorry, Evan, that I forgot about you. <laughs> Evan, if you're listening, if you want to come on the show, Perry will apologize in person. And then, uh, we can talk to you about the tight end journey. Anyway, let's talk about offensive line. It's our last position on offense, and there are 17 names on this list. So a lot going on here as far as the depth is going to shake out with this offensive line group. Yeah, why don't you why don't you list off all 17 of those guys <laughs> for us, Maggie? All <laughs> no, right. Don't have to. Okay. I was gonna. I would have. <laughs> okay, well, if you're offering, then I want to hear it. <laughs> All right, so you've got two centers currently on the roster in Corey Lindsley and Jake Hansen, the sixth-round draft pick. At guard, you have Elton Jenkins, Zach Johnson, an undrafted free agent, Cole Madison returning out of Washington, Lucas Patrick, Lane Taylor, Billy Turner, John Runyon, and Simon Stepaniak. Switching over to tackle, David Bakhtiari, Rick Wagner, who right now we're assuming will be the right tackle of, uh, going into 2020, but... So our, you know, it's a log jam of names behind him at this point. Travis Bruffy, the undrafted free agent. Cody Conway, who's been on the practice squad since November. John Leglu, active roster since December. And then you have Yash Nijman and Alex Light. So given the way that the Packers drafted three guards, well, two guards in the center, potentially could play along the interior, and the way that they have also decided to bring in additional undrafted free agents in addition to who was already on the roster, there's a lot going on here. And I don't know if that's as good things or bad things about what the Packers felt about their roster in 2019. Yeah. It's either it's, it's really interesting to me because they must think that there needs to be some level of competition. If they brought in, they have 17 linemen, (laughs) like that's crazy. Um, But I also feel like that our, our like, starting front is pretty set. Um, so it's more just about like, who's going to be the rotational guy, who's going to be the backup if someone gets hurt, which we know with offensive linemen happen all the time. Like no knock to Alex light because go spiders, go university of Richmond. But I think we definitely needed someone kind of in between him and the starter in case, you know, they get hurt and, you know, he needs to go in. Um, so obviously they did that. Um, I feel like the depth chart is really up for grabs after our starters though. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to look at this list and you can kind of pick out a couple guys that you think might be camp bodies. The Packers always bring in a lot of competition on the offensive line, especially because they'll try guys at tackle and guard. So there's a lot of versatility there. Um, What they're listed as might not be what they end up playing the bulk of their snaps at. But, you know, you have your starting five, and then you have three draft picks, which would get you up to eight. You have Yash and Alex Light, who somebody has to be the swing tackle. So there's just, there's a lot of bodies competing for very limited depth positions. And you have to wonder if, you know, maybe one of the draft picks is a guy that doesn't make it. Cole Madison did latch onto the initial 53 and then got hurt. Yeah. So, uh, Lucas Patrick, you would think, you know, the Packers paid him some money to stick around, mm-hmm. um, as that versatile, uh, center and guard. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. I hate to say it, but you know, we have two of our starters that are on 
contract years and maybe the Packers are just like trying to look for, and it would be smart if this, that's what they're doing look for just like a contingency plan in case one or don't want to speak into universe, both <laughs> don't come back and they need to now replace two starters, which is very different from just drafting or bringing on, you know, depth guys. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I love Lucas Patrick and I think that he brings a lot of insurance to the interior of the line. Um, but if you look at, you know, the snaps he took at center for the limited snacks, snaps he's had to take at guard, I think there's a difference between, you know, I think you want him in that kind of versatile position the same way that J.C. Treader was used a couple seasons ago before he got a starting gig in Cleveland where he could play anywhere along the line. I don't know if you necessarily want to commit one of those guys to being your long-term solution to the position because they bring such versatility to the position that you don't want to lose that by giving them an immediate spot. And then I think one of the biggest question marks here is what happens with Lane Taylor? Does he stay as depth? Because that's kind of expensive depth when you have Billy Turner and Lane Taylor, you know, there's talks about Rick Wagner's contract being so cheap that maybe he becomes your backup swing tackle. You move a guy like Billy Turner, you move Lane Taylor, but then there's too many moving parts and your cohesive line that you had in 2019 finally is shuffled again in 2020. So it's just, yeah, I feel like we could spend a lot longer talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lane Taylor to me felt like trade bait um, or just like cutting him outright because he eats up so much of the cap space. So I'd be pretty surprised given how many linemen they have um, that he's, that he's still part of the team. Let's switch gears. Let's go to the other big guys on the other side of the ball and talk about the defensive line now, because this to me is where there is a still a perceived need. I think I was more surprised the Packers didn't take a defensive lineman than I was a wide wide receiver, honestly, after the draft. And I know they brought in an undrafted free agent. They signed a couple of free agents after the fact, one even before the fact. Um, But yeah, I think this is a group that is going to have a lot of question marks heading into training camp. Yeah, I mean, I keep saying it, and I really mean it. Like, I think that they just, they must have some view of the growth of some of these guys and trust that they're going to make some kind of leap that we just don't see. Um, Because otherwise, like, they didn't bring in anyone in free agency, and they didn't bring in anyone in the draft. And yes, okay, they signed Willington Prevalon, an undrafted free agent from Rutgers, Okay. He actually has some pretty impressive stats. Um, all big 10 pick in 2019, but like at the same time, you know, we've seen them add, you know, what 10 offensive linemen and just one defensive line, one defensive lineman. So like to me, it either means they think they're fine and we don't, or they're scheming up ways to use the guys that they have, or they think that Montrevious Adams, King Klikiki, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry are going to make some kind of leap. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can think to at this point is that they know how much money they have to drop to keep Kenny Clark and they should spend every dime given his age and his production. He's one of the best in the league at what he does. Um, so to me, if it's a cap issue where they're worried about committing too much money into that position, I'm hoping that the Dean Lowry contract pans out because to me, that was a lot of money. And then we saw the free agent market this past season after Dean Lowry got paid and the contracts, they don't match up at all. 
So I don't know if that was a reach where they kind of, you know, misjudged the market and the value at the position, but the way that Dean Lowry's getting paid, you would expect that he can make a pretty significant jump this season. Um, I love Kingsley Kiki. I'm so excited to see what he can do. Tyler Lancaster, I think, is a serviceable nose tackle, but I don't think he's somebody that you want to be taking as many snaps as he is. Um, and Montrevious Adams is hard because, you know, he's a former third-round pick. I've loved his story from the beginning because he his girlfriend gave birth the night he got drafted. Like, it was just a really cool story to hear about him getting a call from the hospital and really cool. And the coaches love him. Like, they rave about him every offseason, his work ethic you know, kind of the trajectory that they think he's on. And he's just never fully matched their expectations. So like you said, hopefully that's enough. They brought in Trayvon Hester, who Packer fans should already love because he blocked the double doink Cody Parkey kick. Um, Gerald Willis, um, he hasn't technically signed his contract yet. They signed him a couple days before the draft. Um, He played with Miami. So there are some names, you know, in the rotation that the Packers can look at, but I do think that this is probably my biggest surprise and there's a lot of potential here on the roster, but it's not proven potential, at least with the wide receivers, we got to see kind of what they looked like and where that jump could be made here. There's, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of, you have to hope you got this one, right. And I'm, I, my, my biggest concern too is like, what if Kenny Clark is hurt, gets hurt this season? Like, God, Knock on Knock wood. Knock on wood, yeah, do something. I'm knocking on wood. But I mean, I mean, seriously, though, I mean, like, we, we keep talking about how we need to pair someone beside Kenny Clark, you know, to support him. But, like, at the end of the day, when you look at this list and you take him off of it, it's a very, very different look on the defensive line. So I don't think that anyone we have right now would be able to pick up the slack um, if we had a hole the size of Kenny Clark on our defensive line. And that makes me nervous um, because we already have seen ourselves get gashed um, in the run game plenty. Um, and the idea of, of us having to go up against similar teams this season without a Kenny Clark, which again, hope will doesn't happen, but like you should trust, you know, the rest of your chart to fill in that hole, I guess. And I, I think Kenny Clark, we've seen, he's had to play through some injuries. And I think that's part of his bullish nature and the fact that he realizes the significance that he makes on this entire defense. You know, you you called it a Kenny clark size hole, but legitimately the void that he would create for this Packers defense, would it would be a domino effect unlike any, any one loss, I think. And I did like what you said about you know, maybe finding ways for Mike Patton to utilize some of his edge rushers. We saw Zadarius Smith lineup over center quite a bit towards the end of the season, um, mixing up the way that he's bringing packages and blitzes. Um, so let's talk about edge rushers next, because to me, this is one of the most loaded positions on the roster. I love edge rushers anyway. <laughs> one of my favorite people of all time, you know, is an edge rusher. So let's just let's break this thing down because it feels like a position that's pretty set, but yeah, quite a few names, you know, kind of battling for that one last spot. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so funny if you'd asked me last season, you know, how, where, where are holes? I would have said edge rusher immediately. Mm -hmm. And this season I'm looking at this roster and I'm like, 
I feel pretty good about this group. <laughs> like, I'm like, damn, this group's, it's, it's pretty solid. Cause you've got ZMP as I'm affectionately calling them right now, <laughs> um, you know, and Rashawn, who's definitely, I think going to move into that Kyler back role, role where he takes a lot of his snaps. He's that, our third guy makes that second year leap. Um, and then we drafted Jonathan Garvin, who I know he was just our seventh round pick, but um, I think is honestly one of our most promising draft picks to to contribute. Um, we brought in a bunch of undrafted free agents um, last season and again this season. So we've got Randy Ramsey as well as Greg Roberts. Um, and then I'm going to let you pronounce the next two names because I'm really bad at this. Tipa Nalei and Delante Scott are the undrafted free agents. Yeah. So, um, the first one actually played at Utah state with Jordan love, which I think is really, um, you know, there's a lot of connections, uh, to Jordan love in our, in our new, um, undrafted and draft picks. So both undrafted free agents, I actually really excite me, um, and had some really good stats in college. So I think there's like, definitely, like you said, room for someone to take that fourth spot, but at the same time, it's, um, it's pretty set at the top. I don't, I don't really see anyone, um, after the Darius Preston and Rashawn that kind of like jumping them. <laughs> Since nobody can see Perry, she's making this hand motion to demonstrate a leap, but none of you can get that over the podcast. So, you know, I'll if just... only could, if only people could see all of my hand <laughs> motions, it would make a lot more sense. It would <laughs> just, all right. So yeah. You know, Zadarius and Preston both had career years in Green Bay. Both of them are under contract through 2023. So, again, very locked and loaded. Rashawn Gary has his fifth-year option, so he's going to be in Green Bay for a very long time. Expect him to take a, a huge jump in year two. He'll immediately become the third edge rusher and could probably handle an increased workload Um even beyond that, I think Kyler Fackrell is playing about 40, 45% of snaps. So look for Rashawn to jump from around 20 to at least 40, 45, depending on how Mike Patton wants to use these guys. You know, he could kind of play that Z role, rushing over center on the edge, hand in the dirt, however you want him to kind of line up for that defense. The thing I like about Jonathan Garvin as their seventh round draft pick is that he's only 20. So whether he latches on on the practice squad or if he does kind of make the team as that fourth rotational guy, he's an ascending player with a really high relative athletic score, and he kind of meets all of the criteria for a Brian Gutekunst pick. So that might not pan out. You know, freak athletes don't always translate to successful NFL players, but there is a lot to like there. Randy Ramsey I love very much. I honestly contemplated putting him on my 53 man roster prediction last season. Um, I think he likely just missed that fourth spot for a guy like Kyler Fackrell, who was obviously the proven commodity in the draft pick. I think that if he has another strong camp and strong preseason, like he did last season, he has a very good shot at that fourth spot. Tim Williams is the former third round pick from the Ravens. You know, he played with a Z in Baltimore a little bit. So there's just a lot of rich depth here. And I'm not sure if maybe the Packers would sacrifice a defensive lineman to keep a fifth edge rusher, especially if they think any of these guys are lengthy enough to play inside linebacker, if they have coverage skills. But for being a position of weakness the last couple seasons, no disrespect to Clay Matthews, but, you know, the often injured Nick Perry, just there were a lot of question marks here. And for this to be probably the deepest position on the roster is a complete 180 from what we've seen in a very long time. I also think that 
It's another reason why I want to give Goot like some leverage because he came in last season and was said, I'm going to fix this position group. And he's done it in like two off seasons. So I'm curious to see what he does, you know, how he uses the guys that he picks this season in perceived needs um, like he did with ZNP and then what he does again next off season for again, those perceived needs. Cause it does take time. And some of these guys, I know we're veering a little bit from the offense outside linebacker position. We can transition a little bit to inside linebacker. Cause I think that's what I'm thinking of is, is just like, let's give it some time. Let's see how they use them in the scheme. Let's see, you know, what that jump looks like for some of these guys that we have like Oren Burks and Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton, you know, people can surprise you. I mean, nobody really knew what Zedarius and Preston Smith were going to be. We saw monster money. And I think a few people were like, whoa, you know, a little up in arms about it. Who are these guys, um, you know, buried under other players and their depth charts from their previous um, teams. So I think, it's a sign to me to give Goot, you know, some, some time um, to see how his draft picks as well as these free agents that he's brought in kind of develop into the roster. Yeah. And I think we talk about all the time, our perceived needs being different than the GM, the head coach, the training staff, the coaching staff, they all have different perceived needs than we do. So as the fan or the casual observer or the podcast host or the writer, we all have our own opinions of where we think that this team needed to be bolstered, you know, and Brian Gutekunst has proven time and time and again, that he will attack positions of weakness. Just like you said, with edge rusher, you know, the Packers had a glaring hole at safety. They traded away. Ha ha Clinton Dix, Kentrell Bryce brought in Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. So, you know, there is that kind of roster churn. He's proven that he's not as attached to draft picks. If he feels like it's time for a player to move on, he will look for a different option, regardless of maybe what he has to spend to get the job done. And wide receiver, I think, is the same way. You know, we all thought that the sluggish offense, the inability to convert on third down, the stalled drives, I think we looked at that and said, oh, Aaron Rodgers needs more wide receivers. And Brian Kudakun said he needs a power back. He needs a versatile tight end who can block. You know, so I, I really think that that's a good point. And Everyone listening, if you take one thing away from this episode, please take away what Perry said just now about letting this roster develop because Brian Gutekunst has proven that he will attack areas of weakness. And I think that, you know, this needs to be said about the defensive line. Again, we have this perceived weakness. Maybe he's looking at it saying, let's see how training camp goes. If these guys don't take the leaps, we expect them to. There's plenty of free agents out there. Or let's see how Mike Patton can scheme Zedarius and Rashawn to help in the run defense. So let's maybe jump back on track a little bit and talk about inside linebackers, because again, this is where we all kind of have this perceived need that the team has a glaring weakness. Yeah. And I think we, I mean, we've talked about this, this position a ton, um, you know, brought in Christian Kirksey drafted Kamal Martin. Um, we still have our three guys that I mentioned earlier. And I think like the one that I, everyone is eyeing a little bit is Oren Burks just because of how, you know, they kind of used a premium draft pick on him. He is entering that third season where he should, you know, really take that leap. I hope he sees some more snaps. Um, we added Chris Barnes, um, who I'm also really excited about, um, into this mix undrafted free agent this season. So, um, you know, 
they added, they have the depth there for sure. Um, I think it's mostly just who's going to be that linebacker too alongside Christian Kirksey. Um, he's the obvious starter. That's why they brought him in. He's the vet. Um, I think it's a lot to expect Kamal Martin to contribute this season. Although, you know, you hope he sees the field maybe a little bit, but it's, it's just a matter of who are they going to pair next to Kirksey. And that, like you said, is going to depend on what they look like in camp and, and who took that leap. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I can't remember which site I read it from, but somebody had made, you know, the connection of just the Packers spent a third on Oren Burks, a seventh on Ty Summers, a fifth on Kamal Martin. So there's not a ton of commodity there. You know, they're not first rounders or second rounders, even though Oren Burks being a, a third round pick is pretty significant. You would expect them to be an immediate starter if they're taken in the third round. Uh, but whoever it was, I think it was just Packers.com had said, the team has to be hoping that one of these guys will take a leap so they don't have to look to free agency again. So Antonio Morrison a couple seasons ago, BJ Goodson this past season, you know, clearly those guys are brought in because the current players on the roster weren't ready to take that leap. So you have to hope that Christian Kirksey stays healthy and can be the every down backer. And then you can rotate in guys like Warren Burks, Ty Summers, Kamal Martin, Curtis Bolton still on the roster. I like that you mentioned Chris Barnes out of UCLA. I think that he has an outside shot. He could be the Curtis Bolton of this preseason where he looks really good, even though Curtis Bolton had the unfortunate ACL injury that kind of, I was going to say hamstrung his progress, but that felt like really bad phrasing. Um, and then they did sign Jamal Davis in free agency, even though he hasn't technically signed yet with the team. So to me, I think, you know, we've talked about you can't bank on injuries or the lack of injuries, but Christian Kirksey has to be the guy. And, I think a lot of this also will segue into safeties if we talk about them next, but the Packers don't always use two inside linebackers on the field. So if they're in dime personnel and they have six DBs and they have a guy like Raven Green playing inside linebacker, maybe that's the difference. Maybe guys like Oren Burks don't have to be every down guys because you have safeties that are versatile enough to fill that void. So Mm -hmm. Let's talk about safeties because to me, that's another group that's pretty locked and loaded. Yeah, I and I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, about scheme because there actually is an undrafted free agent that they brought in, Henry Black from Baylor, who played both safety and linebacker in college. And so the fact that he knows both positions could be a really, really interesting piece um, for Petten to use. But I mean, I think the starters are pretty set there. It's it's Adrian Amos and it's Darnell Savage. Um we hope that Darnell Savage takes a leap this season, even though he played fantastic, that he definitely has some things he can work on. Um, second year, I mean, I think for a rookie to get as much experience as he had, you almost expect him to just get better. Um, and he hasn't even reached his ceiling yet. You mentioned Raven Green. We still have Will Redmond um, and Vernon Scott, who we just drafted. Um, and then they also brought in Frankie Griffin, an undrafted free agent out of Texas State, Um so there's some depth there. Um, I think to me, the chart is pretty set unless someone new comes in and just, you know, blows everyone out of the water. Um, I think it's pretty clear who's going to be starting, but I feel really, really comfortable and good looking at this group that if there's an injury or something happens and someone's out, like we've got players behind them who can come in and immediately you know, fill that void. Yeah, and I mean, Will Redmond saw a bunch of snaps when Darnell Savage got injured in the middle of the season. Raven Green, I know that he ended up on injured reserve. Um, everyone, 
at least that I saw after the NFC Championship game, had speculated, like, what would this middle of the defense have looked like if Raven Green was playing? One player was not going to save the Packers, you know, from that blowout loss. Raven Green wasn't going to get them to the Super Bowl, although I do think that he makes a contribution, you know, as a hybrid linebacker. But I do agree with you that I think the depth here is pretty nice. I think if a guy like Vernon Scott were to latch onto the roster, it would have to be through special teams at first, unless he beats out a guy like Raven Green or Will Redmond for that hybrid role. But I like the safety depth at this point. And I think that a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about next, um, the last position group, unless we want to take a deep dive into the specialists, um, would be position versatile guys at corner and safety. So looking at the 10 cornerbacks that are currently on the roster, you know, what are your thoughts there? We don't have to talk about Tremont Williams if you don't want to, but we can. I don't want to make you sad. His name is missing. It's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, corner is, I think we differ in our views of the corner position a little bit and that I think it's really strong. Um, But I also understand that, like, if one of our two starters was out, it's less our backups to Jair and Kevin are, I think less strong than our safeties are, you know? So, I mean, Chandon Sullivan, he looked great. Um, Good and Matt LaFleur both have mentioned him by name and that they really hope that he continues to contribute. I'm not going to go on my Josh Jackson rant again, but (laughs) I think this is his last shot um, in, in proving that he can, can contribute. They took Kadar Holman last, last draft. You know, you hope that he, um, can grow into a bigger role because they spent a draft pick on him. They brought in a bunch of undrafted free agents, all of which actually I really am excited about. Um, Mark Antoine Decroix from Montreal um, ran a four three six forty. He's got a the RAS score that Goot loves. Um, you know he played in Canada, so of course that competitiveness. He's going to have to kind of make a jump against him. Uh, offensive, you know, weapons in the NFL that, that he wouldn't have seen at that level in, in Canada. But, um, Stanford Samuels is someone from Florida state I thought would be drafted. Um, so it's a surprise, a pleasant surprise that we, you know, got him as an undrafted free agent. And then Will Sunderland out of Troy, um, all of them have, you know, tons of PBUs, a bunch of interceptions. They're all in that, uh, profile, you know, that six feet to six, three, um, you know, that Goot really likes. So there's definitely some potential for there to be like really good backups, but I think, you know, our starting corners are obviously Jair and Kevin. And then, um, after that to me, it's up for grabs. Yeah, I agree with you. Jair, I think everything is clicking and he's, you know, still progressing it the way you want to see a first round pick progress. I think the only thing missing from his game is interceptions. And I think that that is nagging away at him. So I would expect, you know, those hands to be sure in 2020, I think that he'll, you know, be looking at that part of his game this offseason. Kevin King stayed healthy for Green Bay this last season. I know that was kind of his big question mark. I think that he is entering very much a prove-it year. We know he's a free agent in 2021. Depending on what happens with the depth here, or if the Packers decide to draft a corner in the first round in 2021, it could spell the end of his time here, but I don't think the Packers want to start questioning the cornerback room again. You know, they spent so many years trying to fortify a position of weakness for the team. You know, this is a team that in 2016 went to the NFC Championship game with Ladarius Gunter as a starting corner at one point in the game. And 
I don't think that the Packers want to revisit that, especially if they have a less than stellar success rate against the run right now. If your passing game is locked down, you don't want to, you know, reopen something that was closed. So yeah, I do agree with you. You know, Josh Jackson has to take a jump. Chandon Sullivan. I really like, um, Deshaun Amos. I also like, he played for the Calgary Stampeders with Reggie Begleton, uh, 42 tackles and five interceptions in 2019. Um, and he also played corner and safety in college. Um, so there is some versatility there. KB and Ento uh, was a college receiver turned corner. And we know how the Packers have success, uh, like sticky Sam Shields, turning college receivers into corners. Uh, Ento was on the team's practice squad for all of 2019. So there's a lot to like there, but it's a very young room. And I know that you and I have this debate all the time about Tremont Williams and what it would look like if he comes back as insurance. Um, to me, it hinders some of the development of these young guys because it's taking away snaps. But if one of your starters does go down or these young guys aren't progressing the way that you want them to, then you really miss that presence there because as much as Jair and Kevin King to me feel like they can be really good locker room leaders, they're not vets to the extent that a guy like Tremont Williams, who's won a Super Bowl, he's been in the league, I think, 13 seasons. It's just not the same. So yeah. Yeah, Kevin is the vet in this room, which is kind of crazy because I still think of him as such a young guy. I mean, he is. <laughs> he, we're the same age. <laughs> um, <laughs> happy birthday, Kevin. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think about the tan- their tandem a lot and that they're so different. I mean, Jair is aggressive and kind of more of a lockdown guy, but Kevin has all the interceptions and I think it's just as a pair, they're so good. Like I know that Kevin sometimes gets left on an Island a lot. And so fans kind of get after him because he lets some things go, but he led our team in, with five interceptions this past season, which is something Jair doesn't have because people throw the ball his way less because they know that the chances of, you know, completing a pass against, you know, one-on-one against Jair are lower than if they throw to Kevin King. So I just, I like them as a pairing a lot. And I'd be really, um, I, depending on how Kevin plays, if he has another season, like he did this past season, I'd be a little bit disappointed to see that that pair broken up. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, if we're looking at the roster as a whole and where the question marks are, corner is definitely one of those question marks, whether it's, do they bring in a guy like Tremont? And maybe that's a decision that's made in camp because of an injury. I know a lot of the free agents at this point in the season are kind of waiting to see what the camp shakedown looks like. You know, wide receiver could look different. There's so many teams that drafted so many talented players that there's bound to be a couple of vets that are surprise cuts, whether that happens during training camp, during the preseason, on cutdown day. So this by no means is anywhere close to your final 90-man roster. Um, Even if we tried to predict the 53 right now, I guarantee you much of it will change. Um, The depth will change. But Perry, we're running long. So any final thoughts that you have on this roster as a whole, um, what you feel good about, maybe what you don't feel as good about? Yeah, I mean, when I look at it holistically, I actually um, I'm pretty excited about all the guys that they've brought in and where a lot of our positions are at. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that a 13 and three team is like fairly set in most places. Um, it's easy to get caught up in some of the details after the draft, but um, it's going to be, it's just going to be an interesting off season because they can't actually work out together yet. So this might be our 90 man roster for longer than if the season was different because they're not together. So um, when all this 
lifts, if all this lifts, you know, this might, this very well, like you said, may change. Yeah. And I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, we're seeing a lot of connections. Um, it's not often that we have multiple Prairie View A&M players uh, on the same roster, not any knock on the school, but, you know, we're talking about scouts that were not able to travel as much. Brian Gutekun said as much. He said that he's really got to trust his scouts this off season because he and his team didn't have the opportunity to get to as many, you know, far reaching areas as they normally would. Um, so this is a really unique situation that we find the team in um, looking at the virtual program expecting a lot of these rookies to take a leap, I think is a mild concern just because we don't know what that process is like to try and learn a playbook. Um, but I think that there's plenty of vets like Zadarius, I believe Aaron, you know, fully will be on board with Jordan Love and Tim Boyle. Um, so it's just going to be really interesting to see kind of how this roster shakes out. Um, like you said, it's a 13 and three team. Did the, the question that I keep asking myself is did the Packers get better and I don't know the answer to that. I don't think any of us can, obviously, until they play the season. And if they go 11-5, and five, they could still be a better core roster than a 13-3 and three team. But I think at this point, it's did they do enough to get themselves over the hump? And if the front office thought that getting over the hump would require, you know, a couple different skill positions on offense, then yes, they did. But did they downgrade at a couple other positions to make those sacrifices? Maybe yes. So. Yeah, I think the other thing we have to think about is we're looking at this like we've been in the Mike McCarthy offense for so long. And that's like what our lens is for what the Packers look like. And we're not in that anymore. We're in the Matt LaFleur era. And that offense, like there are things he said it so many times, like there are things they didn't get to this past season that he wants to do. And I'm sure that he, him and Goot are trying to set up this roster to succeed in what his vision of this team looks like. And so, you know, it's, we we did so well last season. I think it's easy to forget that like we kind of are still in a transition time. And so, you know, our team is transitioning uh, into 100% a new offense. Um, and so there are questions for us as fans that I think they probably have answers to. And we just won't know what those answers are until we watch them play. Well said, Perry Goldstein. If you would like to remind fans where they can follow your work, please do so. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Goldstein Perry, and you can follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I write two times a week for Cheesehead TV, and we both actually also podcast with the Pack a Day podcast crew. I'll be on later this week with Jacob and Nick Schmitz. Um, Perry is, you know, just an alternate, so if anybody catches a cold... Um, is committed to other things in any given moment, she will be there. She is versatile. You can count on me. Yep. There you go. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.